spread one love, okay? Thanks for tuning in to us, the Eminem Show. Welcome back to another super fresh episode of the Eminem Show. I am your host with the mostest, Nikki MG, and I'm here with Queens with all the flavor today. So excited to have everyone. But first and foremost, got to welcome the first M in the Eminem Show, Ms. Molly Rulin. What up? Hey. Hey, hey, hey. That catches me off guard every time. (laughs) Every week. Good to be back here in the One Love Massive house. Shout out to everyone at One Love Massive. And I'm also here with the one, the only, the fabulous, the beautiful, J, 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 Drew, J, Mills. (laughs) Yes, always a pleasure to see you, Queen. And I'm very excited to introduce our viewers today to two very powerful women in the D.C. community doing amazing work and who are both running on the Dump Trump Dems for Action slate with Molly, Nikki, and Mills uh, this local election. I'm happy to introduce to you Marina Streznevsky. Good evening, Nikki. Welcome. Happy to be here. Thank you. Looking glowing and fabulous. Now, I just want to make sure I did say your last name correctly. I've known you for a long time, <laughs> but every <laughs> time I'm a little short. It is Streznevsky, correct? Perfect. Yes! So, Marion Barry couldn't have done it better. All right. <laughs> and There's we, a story there. Mm-hmm. Well, we definitely are mm-hmm. going to hear that story. Um, and I also want to introduce folks to the lovely, the intelligent, the amazing... ANC Commissioner and Slate Candidate, Sharice Crawford. Sharice, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to a great exchange with all of you. Yeah, yeah. Cool beans, cool beans. So we're in the house today with uh, five, including myself, very powerful women who are deeply engaged in local politics and building up culture here in D.C. And uh, we're going to be talking about early elections, early voting, the D.C. primary coming up. But as per usual, I just kind of like to ease into the conversation and check in and see how everyone is doing, uh, especially with my co-hosts. <laughs> There's always exciting things that are happening in the lives of these women. So, Jay Mills, how's your week been? What's new with you? Oh, man, my week has been very interesting. It's been beautiful getting out there campaigning. I've been doing a lot of work with the community, talking to people, engaging about key issues um early voting has been wonderful a great start off <laughs> shout out to ward eight <coughs> representing um just seeing everybody across the slate representing across the city at the parade you know it's just really beautiful to see us all coming together and um making <clears throat> a statement as a group you know across demographics all the different demographics that one could separate people into are what we've come together under. And it's just a wonderful thing. We are pretty dope. We're Our dope. is pretty awesome. It's like we're great. super diverse people in all okay. in all respects. Mm-hmm. Age, race, like immigration, background, gender identity. 
um, and perspectives as well, you know, on different issues. Um, I saw you on Facebook out there campaigning at Turkey Thicket in Ward 5 with the whole posse, with Gordon, Andrew Fletcher, with the T-shirts. You got the youth out there, like, stunting and posing. I was like, okay. (laughs) It was really exciting um, to see all the young people come out and support you. It's, It's great. I'm just really overwhelmed by all of the support. It's so surreal. You know, Nikki, thank you for for reaching out to me and speaking to the the leader in me and and voicing your belief in uh, the capacity that I had to run for this position. So Hey, man, I saw it. I was like, this woman here <laughs> runs businesses, starts projects, is an outstanding mother, is featured on like Working Mom magazines, is putting together uh, um, health summits, and and is mystical and magical, and is a performing artist too. What? I was like, this person definitely um, needs to be running and getting involved in local politics. A strong, powerful black yeah. woman. Love seeing that. Thank you. I'm glad your week's been going well. Early voting's been going well for you. And uh, we're going to keep it up. For folks who are watching... If you don't know by now, it is the D.C. primary and early voting is happening all this week until Friday the 15th. You can go into one of eight citywide centers um, to vote in Ward 5. It's the Turkey Thicket Community Mm -hmm. Center in Ward 4. It's the uh, Tacoma Community Center. Uh, Do you know where is it in Ward 2? It's 441 4th Street, Judiciary Square. Judiciary Square, the the kind of the home center, home base. That's usually where I go to vote. but uh, I'm going to stick up in Ward 4 this year. Um, Ward 8, do you know the location, Sharice? Currently, it's at the Malcolm X Opportunity Center, mm-hmm. um, and that's on Alabama Avenue. I just have to pull up the uh, my phone really quickly to look at the actual physical address. But I do have all that posted at Crawford at Large, and the Malcolm X is at 1351 Alabama Avenue uh, Southeast, uh, that's in Ward 8. Ward 7 is at the Deanwood Recreation Recreation Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's 1350 49th Street, northeast, uh, close to Deanwood Metro Station. Ward 6 is at the Sherwood Recreation Center. That's 640 10th Street, northeast. Uh, at the, the nearest Metro Station there is Union Station. Uh, Ward 5 is obviously Turkey Thicket, where, you know, yourself, uh, Jay, and... Gordon have been just shutting it down up there. Uh, that's at 1100 uh, Michigan Avenue Northeast. Ward 4 is at the Tacoma Community Center, uh, 300 Van Burn Street Northwest, and the closest station to that is Tacoma Station. And Ward 3 is Chevy Chase Community Center. Zach Israel is up there. Uh, Jay Nees, Chioma, uh, Ty Kenlow, they have been on a little bit of a tour uh, <laughs> moving through I'll the be up wards. there tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. <laughs> yeah, so that's going to be Ward me. 3. Well, then now yes. we know Nikki's going to be in Ward 3. Um, that's at 5601 Connecticut Avenue Northwest. And then at Ward 1 location is Columbia Heights Community Center, 1480 Gerard Street Northwest. And then there's Metro Station is Columbia Heights. And Ward 2 is still open. Everyone knows that's at one Judiciary Square. Awesome. Thank you for running that down for everyone. Yep. I'm happy to early vote on, y'all. No lines. Mm -hmm. And also, I didn't know, but for early voting, you can actually vote at any 
Yeah, yeah, that's you right. can vote anywhere. So, you know, but if you happen to work in Ward One, but you live in Ward Eight, doesn't matter. You can go ahead and vote in any ward for early voting. We were visiting a friend in um, 2016, who's up near Chevy Chase. So my husband and I voted up there. Oh, so that's yeah. news to me as well. So that's good to yeah. know. So wherever you are, get your vote on. Yeah. Get out there and vote. Uh, th- we have, I've seen some of the numbers starting to come in. And, uh, you Ward know, three is, is definitely popping. I yeah, know. Ward, the voter turnout is awesome, is awesome there. But I think even to that response, you know, the turnout was not so well in Ward 8. And, you know, I started to think, well, what do you need to do to get people even to the polls to turn out? Is how many people are really aware that there's an election happening right now? No. Yeah. And for those that are aware, why should they vote? That's yeah. where you go too. And especially where you have, you know, uh, positions. If, for example, Ward 8 does not have a specific ward designated uh, position on the ballot outside of the state committee members. And um, I think that the, the realization of the at-large candidates, I think they're still getting information about that, mm-hmm. as well as the Initiative 77. People still have a lot of questions about that, and so I think that before people really show up to vote and not f- and want they want to be fully informed and fully aware, and so you know I posted on my social media yesterday to get questions answered about Initiative Seventy Seven, and I want to thank you guys uh, for chiming in on that um, because it is a very important measure that is seemingly confusing for a lot of people, where there are some people that are absolutely sure that we should vote no. Right, they're positive. Then there are some people that are equally as positive about voting yes. And so when I talked to my own constituents in Ward Eight about, hey, you know, how much do you know about this initiative, and them not being fully aware um, and fully informed, I think that our city has not done a great enough job with explaining this, you know, thoroughly. And even the question as it is on the ballot will confuse you. Yeah, um, you know, when I looked at the voter guide. I was that that that's what sparked my initial post about it. Like, hey, this voter guide isn't isn't really given enough information. Like, is this a mandate for small businesses? Right. Are they gonna go out? Like, are they gonna be enforced to do this? When does the enforcement start? If they will, and right. so it just left me with more questions. How much annually? Um, and yeah. Like today, I had some questions too. Like, it's all like tipped employees who would receive more than thirty dollars in a month or fifty dollars in a month. So does that include like? I don't know the like the like the people who do um, like the bike caravan shit around yeah. the mall. Like <laughs> like who's included in that? Like because I'm just thinking about bartenders and servers, but like there's other tipped economies. So like who else like is that? Like hairdressers, hairdressers and nail techs and all those. Uh, yeah. those, those are supposed to be included. Right. Now that is a quite that again left unclear. Completely, exactly. un- and we've had like multiple conversations about it, and so it's not even for lack of like the communication. It's just yeah. a really murky. Yeah. Murky the thing. language and the law, the legislation around it. We just have to do a better job as a city exactly. with putting these initiatives together. And I just feel, I, I you know, talking about the forty thousand plus people who signed the petition and all the field workers who were really, you yeah. know, determined to get this measure on the ballot. It's almost yeah. like a slap in the face for all their hard work to not know exactly how this is going to be put together. Right. And that's the challenge that we have, which is another reason why I'm accepting this slate position. Um, because a lot of our legislation is put out like that where it's not really plain language and you have to be a scientist or some type of, you know, you, you got to be a lawyer or some type of legislator mm-hmm. yourself to fully understand what is being said. And then, two, what is the implementation of that? 
Mm-hmm. We struggle severely Queen. in this city <laughs> with implementing policies. We have laws yes. that have been passed, approved, signed, sealed, Years and delivered ago. that are still sitting and bad without being implemented. And mm-hmm. you could have the best law, the best policy in the world, and if you have bad regulations, it yeah. destroys it all the matter. intent. There, no there, there are no regulations enforce. at yeah. all. There's no enforcement, and then there's no implementation committee, yeah. which is exactly a part of the problem that right. I see right here in our city. And this is, um, I'm glad you brought this up, Sharice, because um, whether it's Initiative 77, excuse me, or, or any law that is uh, up for debate here, I think that's one of the critical jobs of the D.C. Democratic State Committee is to actually get out there and educate people <laughs> about what is at stake in the city and to get them involved in the democratic process. And one of the reasons that I uh, decided to to run for this position and ask all of you ladies <laughs> um, either directly or by way of someone else to run as well is because uh, I see you as people who are um, already outspoken and, you know, in contact with people in your community so you can do this educational work of letting people know what's at stake. And I don't think the the, the current committee, at least over the last eight to ten years, has really done any job of engaging voters um, in the elections just to get out and vote, but then also on the issues that have happened over the last couple of years. So Agreed. You yeah, know, it's it's completely agree. And and in our last election, which was a mayoral election, which was contested, there was a lot of uh, council members who ran for that, which is something that um, typically turns out more mm-hmm. voters. We had a historic low voter turnout for that as well, less than four percent. You know, so what? yeah, less than four percent. Just around 4% of the D.C. registered voters. So, you know, basically everyone who is in office now, regardless if they're great people or not, (laughs) they got elected with less than 4% of the vote. They really don't even represent the majority of Democrats, if you you think about it in that lens. And so I'm excited to figure out ways and work together as a committee that we can get more people involved. Because when more people are involved, that's more accountability, you know? And for, peop- for people who don't vote, uh, you think, okay, I don't want to vote. They're, I'm not going to make a decision. I'm out of it. Well, you're not. Yeah. Because if you don't vote, you are letting other people make decisions for you. Yeah. And if you, you, you hear people complain and they didn't even bother to vote. Um, my mother has had a rule forever that if you didn't vote in the last election, I won't talk politics with you. And that makes, I think that makes a lot of sense. So getting you know getting people to understand how important it is to actually vote. I saw something on Twitter today that I thought was was really perfect um, for people who say, "Oh, my vote doesn't count. Voting's not important." If voting were not important, why are the Republicans trying so hard to take it away from us? <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, um, our our ancestors, black people, women, actually, like, fought and died for the right to vote. So in my perspective, uh, it's our duty to, like, honor that that legacy and make sure that our voices are heard. Because at one point, they weren't legally able to be heard at all. So you're going to hear my voice. I well, think I think we have to do a better job. I'm sorry, Jay Mills, go ahead. And, and I, I, I think your thing came a little bit before mine. No, <laughs> <laughs> we were both thinking. I don't know. I was just, um, just going to say, you know, as as a native Washingtonian that had parents that were very much involved in the political process when we were living in D.C., I have shadow memories of them standing up, asking for things to be done to make changes in the community, and those changes not coming. 
I think of the great migration of a large population of hardworking Washingtonians that moved out of the district in the 90s because of a lack of political action to make this city safe. When we have gentrification, showing what it looks like when you care, and people translate that into, you don't care about me, because it's evident. Mm -hmm. It is so evident that people don't even want to vote because they do Mm -hmm. not see a point. And we have to see their reality, meet their reality, and address their reality. We can't dismiss their reality by bringing up things that do not affect them. Like, it's not as if you're talking to people that didn't try. You're talking to people that did try and died and nothing happened ever at all. And then suddenly things did. And it wasn't because they voted. It wasn't because they showed up at the ANC meetings. It wasn't because of anything that they did. And also now when you look at them showing up, let's take Berry Farms for example, where thank God finally they were able to stop uh, some of the... And that's still up for question. (laughs) Right. You know, where we do show up and make our voice and it's still ignored. Like that's the population of people that you're dealing with. And it's it's hard to tell them to show up and vote because this is a reality. Yeah. I think um, personally what or what I hope is going to change some of that um, reality of the lack of accountability from people that do try to vote historically now or, you know, um, and then not feeling heard. What I'm really hoping changes in the district is comes along with campaign finance reform, which is oh, yeah. a law that just recently passed, actually. And so I think... Um, what has happened in the past and is still happening right now is people who run for elected office for the paid positions who actually have real decision-making power, um, they, under past law, they're beholden to the people that are able to give them that thousand, that $2,000 donation. And these are the corporations which don't represent people on the ground which don't represent small business interests which don't represent students and and children in the most um, disenfranchised communities here and uh, this bill this law will make it so that they're not able to give as much money and level the playing field so I'm hoping that over the next um, you know four to to eight years the next couple election cycles they'll actually see some change in the way that electeds are campaigning and then once they get into office more accountable to the people who actually put them put them there like voted for them there but we'll Mm -hmm. see as Sharice was saying before there's an issue with implementation Mm -hmm. in this city on a number of fronts and you know that brings us to kind of our responsibility right now while we are out here campaigning and I'm thinking about robocalls I'm thinking about mail drops yeah are we looking at you know doing you know doing those kinds of robocalls for those who have landlines and even now for the the more sophisticated technology with doing texting and text messages to say hey do you know there's an election happening right Mm -hmm. now um bringing awareness to this primary election and then also to you know why it's important doing a better job of getting uh, some sort of video uh out there to talk about the importance of this election Yeah. yeah 
Definitely. Also, I'm excited because there's people um, on our slate who actually have those skills and capability to, to work with technology and put it out there. I think, and I'm not trying to... <laughs> I'm not trying to talk shit about anyone, but I think the <laughs> current state committee, like the use of technology, it, it hasn't been one of their strengths. You know, just the website, keeping it updated alone has been a problem. Um, it's but, like uh, trying to get my mom to use a laptop. It's like, oh, uh, yeah, my mom you know? is still struggling with text messages. I remember get, I was yeah. getting fussed at even for insinuating that she used a text message. She <laughs> would be like, you want me to do what? And you could just pick up the phone and just, and I don't, mom, no, listen, that's not, <laughs> doesn't take the phone away. Right. The phone still works. <laughs> it's it's just that. An additional it's not option. a pigeon carrier or anything. <laughs> it's an yeah. additional option, Mom. You know, I don't want any problems. Okay, <laughs> let's not fight about it. Yeah, so. it's a, uh, it's, it's. But go ahead. I'm sorry. I was saying it's a sign of the times. You know, things are changing, and um, I, I had the opportunity once to meet Angela Davis, one of my my heroes at a Manning Marable conference at uh, Columbia University, and uh, I asked her, you know. Because she's part of the generation that mobilized, you know, the Million Man or um, uh, the March on Washington, and you know, where where you'd see these mass mobilizations. And I was like, how did you get all of those people down to the mall from across the country without social media, <laughs> cell phone, and pager blast? You know, and she said you use the 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 best technology that you have at the time, and yeah. so right now the best technology that we have. Um, is texting and and our different social media platforms. And, of course, we got um, the old school, the bread and butter of mobilization, knocking on people's doors, going to community meetings, handing out literature, actually engaging with people. So I think, you know, uh, our slate makes up a, a group of people who are experts in all of those different fields. I'm really excited to see the power of those different skills come together, yeah. you know. But... Um, I wanted to take it back a little bit and just check in and see how everyone's weeks still were. Um, we <laughs> talked a little bit about J Mills and then we went in a tangent, but that's what we do here and it's all relevant. So um, Molly, how's your week been? What's been going on in the personal life of at large candidate for committee woman? You know, living the dream, man. What can I say? Living the dream every Can minute? Canvassing. <laughs> Crying, <laughs> drinking, you know, it's all working. It's like working, canvassing, working, drinking, working, <laughs> crying, working, working. I'm seeing a pattern here. Yes. <laughs> you know, hey. I've been crying a little bit this past week, too. I'm uh, 37 weeks now, and I just had a couple of days where I just felt really emotional <laughs> for no Weepy. apparent reason. Did, did a commercial make you cry yet? Man, I don't need... That's my life every day. Was. I was 37 <laughs> years old five years ago, so and I cry all the time. Like, I don't, I don't know. I have no baby to blame it on at all. Oh gosh, yeah, I'm definitely pregnant, blaming it on the baby. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I remember crying at a commercial. It was just so touching. Yeah, <laughs> it's, <just laughs> it's so like touching. an Amco commercial. I mean, I can, I can identify, you know, with that Molly because you know I come home like today on the way here. You know, I get a, a watch a live video and there's a young man that's murdered that's been shot ten times by the police. Oh man! And then yeah. I get invited to go see watching Oprah. And then we have all calves, and so there's a there's a, this series of significantly highs and significant lows, right? And we're going through that. And I think as leaders, um, as leaders, we have to be willing to be transparent 
as and as, as excited, you know, not necessarily excited about the lows, but addressing them in the same way right. that we're addressing the extreme highs. Right, like all caps, you know, the caps are, you know, all caps, and we're celebrating at the parade on the mall, and everyone's excited and taking the pictures. And we all want that excitement. We all want that, that feel good celebration. Camaraderie. Um, that camaraderie, and yeah. right? And nobody really wants to deal with the pain of what that means to talk about real life issues, right? But if we're not talking about how we're addressing them and we're not addressing yeah. them well, it doesn't go away. Yeah. It doesn't go away. And for and, and, and for any officer to shoot 10 times at one person, I don't care what happened. Right. You're talking about Mo County? No, this was today uh, in around eight. 7, around I would say 7 o'clock in Ward o'clock 8. In Ward eight oh, um, Jesus or near Christ. First Street location. Uh, and, and, the, and the young woman was on the video live uh, talking about how this was, uh, uh, the young man was 16 years old and he was murdered. And you know, ten times for an officer. You, and you're, what? What is the training? You know, that's direct question of where's the accountability. Where's right? the accountability? Where's the training? Right. The direct question of how are you training these officers to, to shoot and fire? I mean, an amateur ten times. You know, that's that's what that's what you would expect from an amateur. Yeah. And secondly, you don't shoot ten to kill. times. Like ten times. Like that is like that is so much effort to shoot a gun. It ten. is. It is not when it's a semi-automatic, and it's not supposed to be shooting to kill. Mm -hmm. You're trying to stop someone from harming you, but now there's another young man that's deceased, and this isn't the first that's happened in the city, Um, and it's not, and it's not only in Ward Eight, right? But we have to address these kinds of issues directly. Can I speak to that a little bit? Because I've been working on a really interesting uh, project, a volunteer project. There is a program that was that is a joint program between Georgetown's law school and MPD. The program is called Police for Tomorrow. Mm -hmm. It is a fellowship program. The officers apply to get into it. And the point is to teach officers skills and attitudes that they don't learn at the academy. Mm. And I see, you know, my heart breaks when I see child after child after child murdered. Yeah. On the other hand, I talk to these younger officers who look at the way they're trained and they look at what they see on the street and they see a massive disconnect there and is. they want to fix it. Well, so that's, I, I mean, it, it's th- that, uh, it makes me feel better to know that, that uh, we are not alone, that there are actually some people who well, can Those are the kinds of programs that's happening in the district that our, our leadership needs to be talking about. Exactly. Right. I mean, had it not been for me being here on this show, I, that's you the might first not I'd ever known. heard of that. Exactly. Okay, exactly. we need to be talking about from a, a high leadership perspective of all the opportunities that we're giving police officers in the city to get connected in these communities, to get trained, to get acclimated. I'll hear from MPD officers that are trolling in my area about how the, the, the surge of new officers aren't even being trained in what's happening in these communities. And so th- they're telling us, they're coming in as if they already know what's going on, they already know what's happening, you know, I'm here to take over type of personality. So then you have a conflict of officers that are there versus officers that are just kind of showing up. And, so, and you can see it, you can feel it, because absolutely. this town has always had <laughs> some sort of a police officer, or authority figure, somebody, some man with a gun is always lurking nearby, uh, officiated absolutely. by the government, right? 26 separate police forces. We've all just mm-hmm. come to accustomed to seeing cops every single where, 32. right? Park police, okay, <laughs> okay, 32, 32 separate <laughs> police forces, right? But ever since Trump got elected, 
They start pulling people over. It's a very predatory environment out there. Yeah. I was not afraid of D.C. police until, like, Trump came into office because everything changes. I see it in front of my block. I see them pulling people over all the time. I see them unfairly arresting people in certain wards and not yeah. arresting other people. In other. I mean, how is King Weedy... You know, yeah. selling weed, you know, hand over fist in Adams Morgan because he's a white man. But then, like, the same people are being profiled right down the street, you know? I have to share this video with you guys. There was a, a, a she was five-year-old and nine-year-old. They're from War 4. And they, so they're, they and their mom showed up to campaign for us. And they were, you know, it's a video. They were like, oh, dump Trump and we got to get rid of him because Trump's a bad guy. And then the video ends with, oh, my gosh, there's the police. And then they go to run. This is a five-year-old and a nine-year-old in one of the well-to-do well parts of the city. And the video ends with them in motion running. And the, the, the part of it, it was that it was hysterical. I couldn't stop laughing. And then when you really when it really sinks in, yeah, it's painful. It's mm -hmm. terrible that a five-year-old <laughs> would, uh, would associate fear and the immediate need to have that survival instinct kick in and run immediately, immediately. Wait like, until you see the video. Matter of fact, it's on my it's on my Facebook. If you guys look on my Facebook, I posted about meet so and so, and I said they had a lot to say. Hmm. It's on one of those videos, and if it's not there, I'm going to just repost it by itself again. Um, but that brings me to what is the solution for this area, right? What are we not talking about? Oh. Okay, we're not talking about the fact that there needs to be a measure on the ballot to vote in a chief of police. There is Wait, there's no chief of police right now? No, there is Our a chief, chief of, of police, police but they're appointed, appointed. It's a political uh, appointee. Uh, that absolutely, that position should not, cannot sustain as it is. There's too much power over what that position does and how they govern in this body of work. I would not go so far as to put it to the voters because there are, other, there are other jurisdictions where the sheriff, the chief law enforcement officer, is elected. And what you get is somebody who's incompetent, but who knows a lot of people and can raise a lot of money. Yeah. Um, I think there's middle ground between. Wherever you know, the just, the question you know, is, but, uh, is that we need to start looking at what other what possibilities are out well, there because having a, a an appointed position in that nature, there's too much one-sided control, right? I'd rather figure out a way to really educate the masses and pull a really great grassroots campaign mm -hmm. or whatever that solution needs to be, but we can't have that control like that anymore. Well, I'm going to go ahead and say that the views I'm about to express do not reflect the views of Dump Trump <laughs> as a slate or Disclaimer. any other individual that may support the yeah. Dump Trump movement. I'm speaking solely as an individual, a citizen, a woman, a black, native Washingtonian when I say, fuck the police. Well. The elephant in the room <laughs> that we refuse to address is that the police came from slave patrols. I, you know, I wanted to bring <coughs> it up. Let's you talk about it. I We're <laughs> not going to say it's illegal to be black, but we'll say it's a, we're just going to arrest a bunch of black people in a particular neighborhood for laws we know shit. they'll break. Yeah. Yes. You got lines. We're not going to talk about the, the fact block. that there's more protection for if these police officers were to do to an animal. Yeah. What they do to human beings. If we're going to keep being real nice and yeah, nah, I'm I'm going to say it flat out. Fuck the police. They don't need to be here. We don't need them. We don't. Nobody says fuck the firefighters. They save lives. Nobody says fuck the paramedics. Nobody says fuck the teachers. But their whole songs, their whole films, their Speaking whole of books songs, like that talk about the prison industrial complex. Yeah. You have all this money to invest into policing, but not into the schools in the neighborhoods right. where you have 
empirical evidence that shows a link between a lack of education and educational resources mm -hmm. and them ending up in prison. How dare you yeah. close schools? Yes. And then wonder. How what dare happened? you close? Like, it just makes me so yeah, mad. George. I get the shaking. Because it's like, am I in the twilight zone? Yeah. In the same time when people with more money move into the nation's capital, I look at their schools. I look at their parks. I look at the trash cans that are on their blocks so that there's no trash. That people have a place to throw things away. I look at the libraries. The sidewalks. I look at the sidewalks yeah. that exist. I look at all these different things that happen when you care. The Gentrification bid. really showed. And forever and forever and forever, I'll say, fuck the police. Because I, who have never done cocaine, crack, or heroin, should not know where to buy it from because of open-air drug markets that have existed my entire life that you did not care to shut down until you wanted to gentrify the neighborhood. Right. I've been held up gunpoint, robbed in, in Trinidad, and now... <laughs> There's million-dollar houses there. I grew up in Southeast. Like, it just boggles my mind to see people act like they don't know what the problem is. Educate the children. Give them recreation centers. But you want to close the school and make a dog park. You know what? You Get know, you touched here. on some very <laughs> Miss um, me. It's a very heated topics. You touched <laughs> on some very heated topics um, because, you know, the, the historic factor of where police came from is very significant. And I would like to believe that we've evolved into a space where I have great friends that are police officers. You know, we talk regularly about these things and a lot of them share things with me that, you know, that they don't want to share publicly mm -hmm. um, because for various reasons of being the whistleblowers or for what could happen mm -hmm. with their families. And so what I'm looking at is what can we do on different levels? And I think the middle ground, why not have a council approved? Why not this be voted on by the council? That's a good, you that's, a, and that, that's something that, that's, you know, the same way <coughs> I talk to, so. the same way I talk to the, uh, um, the uh, chair of the council about having someone appointed to the zoning commission from east of the river is that we cannot continue to have the same pe folks on the zoning commission <coughs> that are not representing us. And I'm looking at the same thing needs to happen with our chief of police. Um, the, he goes in and you know does damage control and releases our the commander in an area where you think that in the middle of a war zone, the last thing you want to do is let go of someone who knows the landscape, who knows the community, who has yeah. relationships with the community. There are a lot of uh, great community police officers um, that I, I love and trust and grew up with. And then there, you know, there's this, what is the training happening for the new people that are coming in is what I'm concerned about. Mm -hmm. You know, you deploy and say, oh, we're putting new officers out there, but what is their level of sensitivity? As a matter of fact, if we want to talk about it, there was a whole press release about officers being trained on uh, African-American uh, history. Mm -hmm. Right. And it was this big hoopla about it. And I'm not for one that gets excited about great press releases or <laughs> great headlines. I wanted to know what was the curriculum. And the moment we started asking about the curriculum, oh, you know, mm. you can't do that. You know, that's not you know, you need to back up on that because no, don't don't get folks excited. It makes national news about a headline and then you don't have a curriculum. Who did you <laughs> talk to about that? We were talking to the attorney that was representing uh, the mayor's office. She was one of their one of their commission about it, and so she's like, "Oh, you know, this is nothing you can blame the mayor about. This isn't about blaming the mayor. She's the person that came out with the press release that there was going to be a curriculum, there's going to be training, and you know what I found out the training was? It was them visiting the African American Museum. 
It's more than mm. that. It's more than that because I know the guy who is taking If them it's more that. than that, then let's talk about it. If it's more than that, um, where is it? It is a lot more. I only know this because a friend of mine who's on MPD shared this information. He was talking about the new training, and it was really a lot of black history about the black roots of the city. It was highly informative. I learned some things. And, oh, and, how, and what is, the, again, the enforcement and implementation, which is a, a question, which is what we know we're lacking in. And there is, a, there is a disconnect, again, between things like really progressive ideas, like taking the uh, police recruits or, or young police officers through the National Museum of African American History and Culture, and uh, not just letting them walk through, but placing it in context yeah. of, of black history in the District of Columbia. And then on the other side, you have at the academy still this warrior-based training. Uh, there, there's a construct that, that is really useful in thinking about this. Is the police officer a warrior? Is the police officer a guardian? Yeah. And they're way too, in my own personal opinion, not, again, dis standard disclaimer, this is not the dumb Trump position. But <laughs> in my in my view, <laughs> the training is skewed way, way, way towards, towards warriors. One of the, the uh, officers in the, the Police for Tomorrow program put it better than I think anyone else did. He said... I could possibly go through my entire career and never have to sh uh, use my weapon, yet they spend all this time at the academy teaching us how to how use to our use weapons. Weapon. Mm. I talk to people every single day, wow. and they don't teach us how to talk to, how to communicate. neighbors in the, in the community. And I think that's the disconnect. You have Absolutely. to think they're people first. Yeah, that's hey, true. You have to actually you have and to speaking of them. thinking they're people, too, there's a big conversation about a local prison coming to this area. No. Prison uh. lobbyists is significant that we need to make sure as a committee we're putting strong mandates on in regards to the prison industrial complex. I you have uh, our Congresswoman Eleanor Holmes Norton talking about putting the press on, making that happen. And my question is, where are the receipts in regards to who's accepting prison lobbyist funds. Well, first off, yeah. okay, they That's were supposed to, to have they were supposed to have put <laughs> one in PG County, then but PG County wasn't having it. That was a whole auspices under why they closed Lorton. With the closing of Lorton, the the distance that a family member yeah, right. has to travel to see someone incarcerated is quite far. It could be anywhere But there is also the no language in that specifies that th what would the criteria be for those individuals to come home? Nobody there's wants no a prison language. in their backyard. The, and there's no, so, so if this were the fact, this were the case, the, the prison came up tomorrow. Mm -hmm. First I want to know is how do we make sure that those that are actively involved in this new development are not also recipients of prison lobbyist funding? Mm -hmm. Secondly, I would like to know is that what is the language and what is the mandate that shows that those that are that those that are are what is the what the process be for those who will be returning home to this location? How can you prove that that's something that's actually going to happen? And then third, what would be the regulation the stipulation for those that are new incarcerated or newly incarcerated, ensuring that they will be located at prison? Right? There's no real. Uh, um, governance to say that that would actually happen. I'd like to take it a step further because this is something I've thought about. You Absolutely. Know, I disclaimed myself before, you know, in case somebody finds this to be an unpopular opinion. But um, I want to give first a shout out to Rap Incorporated Region Addition, Regional Addiction Prevention. They are a nonprofit that exists in the D.C. area. They used to have a residential facility out in Laurel. 
However, residential drug treatment programs were kind of done away with because of legislation. That's a whole nother talk show. However, because those don't exist now, we know that they criminalize people who are addicted to drugs. If you're black, keeping it funky mm-hmm. with That's heroin yep, now, they're yeah. like, oh, it's a sickness. But in Baltimore, epidemic. in D.C., mm-hmm. you're going to jail. Yes. So that being said, all right, let's look at a, a Betty Ford, right? Did the government make Betty Ford? No. Individuals who were concerned about Caucasians who were going out of control with their drug habits decided to create a place. So when you go through the criminal system and you are then sentenced, we don't have a place that we have control over, that we have thought about, that we would want to send our people to. When it comes to people of color and our involvement in creating a prison, a detention center, or whatever you want to call it, we aren't making them. We, we don't have, that's why I shouted out rap first, because that's our Betty Ford. But we need more. We can't just be like, no, we don't want to jail, because, again, like, crimes are going to happen. But how involved are we in the rehabilitation process? Mm-hmm. And it's hard to say, as a person of color, that you want to own a jail, or you yeah. want to own a detention center, yeah. or you want to be on the board for that. You want to pick the yeah. CEOs. We are so disconnected. But yeah. let's keep it funky. We need a place. Yeah. Because people break the laws. But we, if we don't have a place that we've built, then language. we're leaving our people up to nothing. Because they have some real fancy detention centers. If you break the law and you got that bread, you know, yeah. these <laughs> let you be yeah, right. Yeah, black people go to prison, white people go to rehab. It's just, yeah, it's, exactly. it's ridiculous. And like, we say, like, that, oh, say that one more time. I black said, people go, go to prison, prison white people go, go to rehab, rehab right. for the same, the, for the same crimes. Understanding which is that process. Crime. And why does a person and, get and sent there? And cops get raises. Differently. Mm-hmm. And absolutely yeah, from, sentenced differently. But when you're sentenced, the they tell you, they'll be like 10 years in prison or $50,000 fine. Yeah. That's we the, have to do do? see this. We need you, more. Yeah. We need you to train and develop more judges. Yeah. We need one more of the judges, th- more prosecutors. Well, you know, one of the other. So I have to say, I feel like like everything to me boils down to accountability. Yeah. Like when you're watching people murder other people on YouTube, you yeah. know, just because they have a badge doesn't mean it's not murder. When you're watching like horrible, like, unscrupulous motherfuckers just break law after law, kill people, and just do terrible, terrible things and are never held accountable, then, like, honestly, like, so we'll just do the disclaimer thing. It's not the opinion of dumb Trump. (laughs) But, like, fuck all that. Fuck the legislation. Fuck the the regulation of that. Like, where's the accountability? The laws and the regulation of them don't mean shit if when they are broken and they don't get it and there's no accountability, then none of that means any motherfucking thing at all. One love massive, guys. One love massive. That's how I really feel. And how can you not feel that when you literally pick up your phone and in an average 10 minutes of scrolling, you're going to see someone else who died at the hand of police. You're going to see some more children separated from their family you're going to see some more people just dis- poor people discriminated against you're going to see a bunch of rhetoric bullshit about women and the misogyny and the patriarchy like y- how are you supposed to like actually feel like any of it really matters like okay so we're going to put this legislation in in place but like you know terrence sterling like you know what i'm saying like w- like w- like when does it actually matter when does anybody get slapped on their wrist like there's an attorney general <laughs> in the- virginia who owns a commissary company he owns a commissary mm-hmm. company wow. 
wow. an attorney general in Virginia owns a commissary company. That's my So, like, where's the accountability? Yeah. Like, fuck everything else. Like, honestly, that's where I'm at. Where's like, uh, none of it means anything to me if there's no accountability. Yeah. If white men don't start going to fucking jail, then, like, eventually we're all going to burn the shit down. Because, like, it, it doesn't make any sense. Like you said, am I living in, like, we're, you know, a, getting, a, an alternate universe? Like We're seeing convictions as of recently. Let me, let me give you guys another case that just recently happened. There was a police officer found guilty of one year in federal prison for selling illegal weapons, guns, several guns, multiple guns. One year. One mm-hmm. year in prison, and a couple of those guns were related to homicide. That's crazy. I mean, what about all the cops that walk by the people in our own streets on this very block suffering, yeah. seeing the spice that they're on, seeing the struggles they're having, and what do they do? They harass them. What yeah. do they don't do? Shut down the gas station right down the fucking street selling the shit. Exactly. We all know like, where it's coming go. from. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, no, who's really getting involved? When you're in prison but and you see word. the CO and you see the guards walk by the guys knotted out on spice, guess what? He's getting paid, that guard. Don't get it twisted. So how are the police officers? Well, she, yes. There's one word. Here we and go. And that word is profit. And oh, it's absolutely. at the root of profit. it is the root of, of so many things. things. Exactly. Yeah. It's just ding the, ding 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 ding. Wisdom yeah. nugget. Tell her what she's won, Bob. <laughs> there are three For things sure. that okay, and this is me, this is Marina. Um <laughs> that I believe that there are three uh areas of activity that should never be a profit oriented. Never. They should never be privately owned. They should be owned by a a the, the, the government, the, the people. The people. Uh and those are education. Mm-hmm. The whole, uh, anything having to do with with law enforcement and all the way through the the whole process and healthcare. Healthcare, yeah. But in healthcare and in in prisons, particularly, there's a perverse incentive. How do you make more money by having more people in the beds? Yeah. So how do you get more people in the beds? You get, in the case of healthcare, figuring out ways to decide that people are sick, uh, and in the case of of prisons, you lock people up. Yeah. For Bullshit. For bullshit, especially <laughs> if they are people of color. You know, you talk especially about... Especially if you know they can't fight back. They can't fight back. You know, they say that, you know, the, the, we all have heard... We all watch enough TV to know to be able to, to recite the Miranda rights, you know. that's um, that. Uh, and one of the things is, if you cannot afford one, an attorney will be appointed for you. Yeah. <laughs> they, the average... I, I read a study, again, this the, with the, the uh, Police for Tomorrow program. Um, there's a really... Outstanding. He's at he's at Yale. Um, he used to be a, a public defender here in D.C. and he helped to found the Maya Angelou School. And um, it, the point, and, and I'm just losing my train of thought. So, but the but the point being, he it's at, at every single solitary stage of the the system. That is, people of color are stopped more. People of color yeah. are are um, arrested or uh, more for things that you know it's like okay you got broken tail like you ticket so yes and you go back and it yet it, it is the modern version of slavery yeah because and then be, and it, it really is not just the, the fact that they're locking people up people pennies yeah the per question hour is who's policing we know that when they abolished the slavery who's they said the exactly. except for those who are incarcerated and they immediately made it illegal to be black yeah Yeah. they have since then kept the same 
percentage. But this is what we I mean when I say sure. gone up. This is what I mean by about playing right language. Right now, we have the highest amount of people incarcerated in this country than we have at any point in time. So, it is I mean, the percentage of so free. So we the, have 3% so of the world's the, population, the pr- prison, and we have 25% of the yeah. world's the population the in prison. The prison industrial yeah. complex is, is legalized to do business with the federal government. Our yeah. tax dollars are pr- are paying for So where's the for accountability? Because so okay, I, I feel like we all know this, right? Like, we all we all know what it is. So we what all know I think that's what we're here for. I think that's what our committee... I think our committee can really now sit together and come up with ways that we can now respond to these challenges that we're facing. I mean, that's my intent. That's my goal that yeah. I have as a committee yeah. and coming in this strong. I mean, you know, even if, if a fraction of our team members make it on this committee, we now have access to people that we know are at least progressive-minded enough to be rational about these kinds of issues. Whereas yeah. before, we don't know who's on the state committee and oh, what they're do. doing and what their agendas are. We but didn't even yeah, know what yeah. a state committee this, was. Exactly. I, I personally yeah. so how many times have you had to, totally when, sure. when you've been campaigning, how many times have you had to explain? To people that I've, I've talked to all day about it, they'll ask me again. So tell me again. Yeah. I mean, I'm and still asking people to explain it to me. <laughs> how many, how many I, people I, think you're running the for more council? I'm learning. Yes. Uh, yeah, they yeah. definitely think I'm running for council. Yeah. <laughs> it's the state committee. And, you know, I, I want to give my best response to this while we're live to talk about what I've been sharing about the state committee um, as a committee, as a body, because I, as a currently as an elected official, um, I vote on resolutions that we propose to council, that we propose to the mayor's office, that we propose to uh, the agencies directly. Those are things that we do as a body. We bring issues to the table, and we say, here are a list of ways that these issues can be enhanced, regardless of the topic. And my understanding of the state committee is that the, it operates in a similar capacity. It is a platform um, for that. Mm-hmm. And, and that we can use this this body to vote on issues impacting not just local government, but national government that's impacting the local government, like yeah. statehood. We are supposed and to have input on the the national party platform. Absolutely. And, it, we, and, and unless we stand up, jump up and down, make sure they pay attention to us, yeah. we're not going to get that kind of access. And, and the, that's what the, I'm looking forward know. to. Yeah, exactly. Which is why I'm honored also that y'all have... Um, supported me in running for the national position. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, people came to me and asked me specifically for the, to, to run for this position because I'm the type of person that doesn't care. I will say what needs to be said from my values and from Ooh, my yeah. heart and who's <laughs> accountable to people. Like, I don't care about these politics and who likes who and how you're supposed to talk to. I'm going to say it plain because it's that important to me. And yeah. when it comes to, like, we're all asking about or we're all talking about, like, what's to actually be done? Where's the actual accountability? You know, I'm, I'm going to be honest. The The system is so corrupt and entrenched in big money politics right now that when all of us get elected <coughs> to this slate, there's not going to be any immediate overnight changes. But what it it does, what I do have hope for, is that if the majority of us can win, there is now a, a body of people who have been uh, developing relationships with each other for a long time, but like doing actual good work together. For example, you know, I, I asked, or we asked Marina, I've been working with Marina for the past 10 years, and, and 
and I asked her, we, we recruited her specifically because I know her values. I trust her values and I've seen her working on issues that impact poor and working class people and come from a center of reason and rationality, but also of love, not from a center of fear, of a center of fear of change, you know? Um, and it's not that always, um, Marina or myself or the people that I know, we have all the like silver bullet solutions to fix everything. But when you are leading from a place of accountability, when you actually care about people more than what's the bottom line, how mm -hmm. is this going to cost? Um, then we're able to think bigger. We're able to actually come up, and I've seen it happen. We're able to mm -hmm. come up with solutions that, yeah. um, despite all of the messed up stuff we're actually talking about, D.C., when you look at other jurisdictions, like, we, we do have more progressive laws mm -hmm. and programs here than other places. Sure. We need to be better, push the envelope a whole lot farther on all these issues we're talking about, but um, I do have hope and faith um, in us as people that we actually have all the solutions, we have all the knowledge and the resources that we need, but we have to mobilize people, we have to get them involved, we have to have their tables, um, we have to have their voices at the table so they're a part of that solution and not getting chopped from the table. Well, Definitely, we're on you know? board, I'm on board, you know, I have a group of volunteers ready to um, come out to the polls. School. We know you do. You were on it, Sharice. You are everywhere. You are energetic. You yes. are smiling. You're hopeful. Yes. You are, and 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 on top of being so so engaging and uh, warm with people, like you're on it. You're yes. not playing around either. And I you're, love that energy about yes. you. Awesome. I have to you're be honest. You know, trying to figure out the boundaries between what it means to be an ANC and what it means to campaign for this completely separate thing has been a little bit of a conflict for me to yeah, make sure that I'm maintaining my values <laughs> yeah. as a commissioner and maintaining my values in this new endeavor. So that's been a little bit of a challenge, I will say. And I've been very transparent with people that follow me and support me in this to say, hey, guys, I am learning this. As I learn this process, I'm educating on this process because I'm already ready to pass the baton. And I wrote that in a post that I put on Facebook because for so long, you'll see leadership that, that wants to, they want to hold, hold on, on to it to forever. This power. They want to hold on to these positions and these titles and, you know, they want to block you out and shut the door. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, let's do this together because I'm going to need you to be next. Okay. You know, and I need you to, as a matter of fact, I need you to be on a strong board of advisors. And that's a question I think needs to be made public. Yes. Who are the advisors to our leadership in the city? Both, yeah. for, both formal and informal. Absolutely. You know, the people yeah. that, that you see public talking information. to them. Yeah. You see, and you see, but the people you see talking to them, the people who are their donors, which is all yeah. public information. But then there's, you know, who calls them up? Who do they call in the middle of the night <laughs> yeah. when they're, they're confused? Right? Yeah. We yeah. need to know, you know, we need to know more of that. You know, speaking, I, I, and, and this is not, I love Eleanor Holmes Norton. Um, I have deep respect for her, for the work that she has done for this city um, since the 70s, garnering home rule, like fighting for statehood. Um, you know, she she's a hero. Yeah. Um, but uh, she, uh, you know, her, she needs, I feel like her and other leaders, they need to be doing what you're saying, like developing leaders, taking people under their wing to like pass the baton. And at a recent, uh, uh, community forum, she was asked, you know, like, what is your succession plan? And she said, me, 
She said that out loud. She said that out loud. And so that's fine. Like, go ahead, black woman. Believe in yourself. Do you? You don't have a succession plan? Wait, what she said? She said me. That she's her succession plan. And so. you like 80. No offense, Eleanor. But that is a huge. But that is the top of our leadership. And that is precisely what the problem is right now in lower level politics is that the doors are shut. People don't feel like their voices are being heard. They don't feel like they have opinions that matter. I'm an advisory neighborhood commissioner. You would think that if you see crime happening, skyrocketing in a particular area, that as the leadership, you would say, let me meet with the advisory commissioners in this area. Not once has the mayor had a meeting with the Ward 8 commissioners. Just Not just not just your specific group of favorite people, but yeah. not once have you met with, let's just, it's not for so many of us in Ward 8, you would think to say, hey, let's come together and meet with this group of individuals to see what have what have you guys been doing? What are your ideas? Before you go have a press conference with department heads that are not everyday boots on the ground. Mm-hmm. I love and respect them for the positions that they have, but it's disrespectful not only to the council member to not invite him to a press conference of that nature, but to not at minimum have a meeting with the advisors uh the ANC commission. Like isn't that the well, whole I don't, point? I don't know? I don't yeah. think it's supposed that... to be functioning in that capacity, right. but clearly our government is they not functioning they the don't way care. it should. Be. Um, if you're well, if you're not able to mobilize a massive amount of voters, if you're not able to contribute to their re-election or like making that's them going look to good, change. They don't well, the problem is most people are not used to people speaking out about it as well. So yeah. that is why we're here today. And yeah. I'm not, and Nikki, I can identify with you in saying that me being here, I have no <laughs> invested financial interest in any of these special interest groups. I'm not being bought or paid to speak mm-hmm. today, and I will. And I love what Shirley Chisholm said. She says she's unbossed, unbossed and unbossed. unbossed. Yep. Yes. And she's that's, also one of my heroes. She's a hero, absolutely. Because once you get to that point, you lose your voice. And and so it took me a year before I decided. You know what? I need to speak out about these things. And 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 that's when the state committee came my way. Um, Troy Presswood. Uh, um, Charles Ward came and talked to me about the state committee, and so I'm really grateful. And then Marcus Bachelor came to talk to me about it, uh, and I said, "Well, you know, there's a whole body that's supposed to be doing what, mm-hmm. right?" And and I said, "Well, <laughs> what are they doing?" Yeah. And 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 to not to know that this government, this level of government, is supposed to be functioning in a way that is not, to me, is unacceptable, and I won't, and it won't, and it cannot, and any longer be tolerated. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Well, I definitely it, came for. The same reason, I mean, I guess you may or may not have noticed that I'm very much the revolutionary, <laughs> um, had lost all but one straw of hope for D.C. government actually caring about native Washingtonians that have been here generation after generation after generation through it all. Yeah. Um, so the idea to, you know, to be a part of this body that I did not even know existed and so, you know, you brought the attention to yes. it, which really shows to how much of a disservice yeah, they've yes. done yes. to this committee. And, you know, yeah. there's and, and that's that's part of the reason I was like, you know what, I I've been uh, an advocate in D.C., a uh, community organizer for about 10 years. And from that perspective, I see who the inside crowd is, who the inside <laughs> players are. Um, and I see them talking to themselves over and Mm -hmm. over again and so i was like okay there's this opportunity for this democratic state committee i want to bring in some people that are not typically in the insider game people that are gonna 
um, reach out to a different group of voters to like shake this thing up because this this um, incestuous uh, relationship um, of of DC power players you know, it's not it's not working for uh, black people for poor people for working class families and uh, I just wanted to bring in some some more real people who. Yeah aren't just about this is my talking point but who are like really real about yeah. it and who are really impacted and one of the the things that happens in the dc and this is only it, it, it's only sort of come to me in the past mm, several months there's been a sense of learned helplessness we it's like oh we can't have any impact because we're not a state mm. which isn't really true. There are other things that we can do. For example, working for Democratic candidates like the Jennifer Wetrick, I think it's Wetrick, who um, is going to be the Democratic nominee for the uh, the Congress in the Virginia 10th, the Barbara Comstock District. Mm -hmm. You know, how far away is that? Not yeah. far at all. We could, as part of the Democratic State Committee, support, that. support her. Um, so that there's things that we can do about that. And I think that the helplessness that the, the power structure in the District of Columbia itself yeah. relies on that sense of helplessness among so many people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That was just... You know, some, somebody, someone at the uh, Women's Democratic National Club last mm -hmm. Wednesday asked me, um, what would your slate do differently about um, achieving statehood than what's happened in the past? And I, this, I think this goes to what you're, you're saying, um, this kind of like sense of, of helplessness. Like, yeah. I'm, so I worked in the restaurant industry for 17 years um, as, a, as a struggling person <laughs> <laughs> that had very little power. But then once I started coming together with other restaurant workers, other small business owners, other like-minded people, and talking about solutions and building power and then <coughs> doing power analysis <coughs> and developing a strategy. Like we won paid sick days in DC um, for restaurant workers, which is something that um, just like Initiative 77 right now was being said, if restaurant workers get this, our business is going mm -hmm. to die. Mm -hmm. Business mm -hmm. is going to shut down. The cost of food is going to go up. Is the I, I kid you not, literally the exact same arguments that are happening right now. Yeah. But we won that despite odds. And, and I remember the very first time that I went to, uh, at the time he was a council member, Phil Mendelson, <sighs> brought a group of restaurant workers with me and said, A, we want paid sick days. Like, this is really serious. You know, we have no benefits whatsoever in this industry that are standardized. We need this. Here are the, the, the facts. The first thing he said to me was, uh, don't say it too loud because um, I don't want David Wilmot to hear about it. I don't want Andrew Klein. These are the, the top lobbyists. lobbyists for the local restaurant association. Yeah. So before, you know, he even knew or really cared about it just because it impacted one industry and he knew the power player didn't want to do anything about it. But despite that powerful relationship, we still organized and we still won. So I'm of the opinion that when we get people on the DC Democratic State Committee who actually have community mobilizing skills, strategic yeah. planning skills, power analysis skills, like we can actually put together a plan to to win statehood for Make the long run. But I don't think that there are people on the current state committee that have those current skills or the energy to 
um, actually the energy, the interest to enforce it or make it happen or the facilitation skills to like hold people accountable on the committee, assign people and and make it happen. And so what Marina is talking about, there's uh, local elections in other places. That's that's an organizing tool. That's a way to develop relationships with uh, uh, other people in local states that um, can apply pressure to their Congress people to vote for statehood and support us. But um, it's 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 a long term a long term game plan. But I'm excited because we're the people that can do it. And it's good that you. Um use the words long-term, too. We need to understand that this is a marathon. Absolutely. And, and, and you have to keep going and keep going and keep going. And sometimes you think you've, you've, you've gotten somewhere and you realize you haven't, but you have to turn around and keep going and keep going again. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> I... Uh, I'm, I'm, and I'm going to stand in solidarity with you on that to say that when you get the right people even aware of the, the what's happening... There's a different response. I want to thank the seasoned settlers. I want to thank Eminent Management, uh, the Bullying Is Not Dope organization of Connecting Communities. These are all organizations who, just like I myself, were sort of in the blind about the state committee, but they said, well, if you do something that you're doing, we're supporting you, mm -hmm. and we're going to figure this out with you. And that is, those are the kinds of people who are ready to work. They understand mm -hmm. what's happening now is not working. Mm -hmm. And they want to figure out how can we find those loopholes, the loopholes to move forward. Yeah. Loopholes, leverage points. I think we have it all. Yeah. Um, I want to wrap up this yeah. conversation because it is 1014 <laughs> and uh, I recognize we're all busy ladies. We've got other things to get going. We got um, babies to birth and shit. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Whole people to create. I, I, had had to, to to birth. I had to talk to my husband today. He was like, well, what if you go into labor on the Eminem show? What's going <gasps> to wow. happen? You're going to so name, name it. be dope. <laughs> Clearly, you're going to name the name baby, baby Molly. We do have a baby name. Her, uh, her name is going to be Golden Hazel. Aww. Our baby Goldie. Uh, Can't wait to meet baby Golden. Yeah, I'm, Golden. I'm very excited. I had a great uh, sonog sonogram ultrasound earlier this week, and the technology is so dope, y'all. You can like, see her little face. I saw her face, like, in 3D. Oh. She had fat cheeks, and she had a nose like mine, and she had big old lips, and she was sucking her thumb. And oh, wow. I was like, oh, yeah, God, the new, techno so new technology <laughs> is so important to every level. Yes, Do you yes. have a picture of it? No, I didn't get to get a picture of that. I have a lot of pictures of the sonogram, but it's usually the profile. Yeah. But this time, yeah. so what had happened was um, she she had um, previously in sonogram, she she's turned, so she's head down, like ready to go through the tunnel, through the vestibule, right. she's out right. into the, the world, right? <laughs> yeah. But um, a couple of days ago, she, it just felt like she was doing somersaults, like real active. So I went back. They said she'd actually turned breech. So she's head up again. She was like, oh, it's more comfy by mommy's heart. I'm going to, you know, rest here. So... Um, I got to get her turned back over so she's ready because I'm not trying to have a, a breech baby. But <coughs> she'll be ready. She'll be ready. <laughs> they can always just turn them. Yeah, I felt her somersaulting today. You know, I keep trying to to ease her to get ready. Maybe but you should do like like hang upside down. Some women do that. I've been watching everything on on uh, YouTube and you stuff may like or that, may not throw up extraordinarily. So yeah, uh, you know. Oh yeah. I'm I'm excited to uh, to <laughs> let her learn stay the hard in way and, and grow yeah. and get plump. 
but I'm also ready to like have her out in the world and rest and heal and recover and then like get back to work. Get your body basically. back. Did you guys? Yes. Have you guys seen the video I saw it on Facebook and it's like a baby that was delivered C-section, but it's still completely in its sack, like completely what? unbroken oh, yeah. in the veil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whoa. No, I didn't see that. I don't know if I want to see that. Whoa. And it's still <laughs> alive. Like there's nothing wrong with it. You can see. There's him in a video there, like, of somebody vaginally delivering like that. Oh, oh, wow. She pushed a Bro. whole baby in a goldfish bowl. The, the water never broke and she dilated I don't need to hear and about the baby this. passed no it's cool no, the baby's actually, fine um, the baby's like the all baby's healthy in a little like pod and shit just like chilling um, ancient religions see this as a godsend exactly yeah. it's called a call yeah. and the, it is it, there's so much folklore associated about how a, a child born with a call is going to be special is going to be <gasps> oh, extraordinary nice. so yeah because yeah. it's protected even on the way out yep. its first memory of the well. world is not like squeezing through <laughs> a terribly <laughs> small place and then grasping well, I'm for excited breath excited for you nikki this is yeah. gonna be this is gonna be our first uh dump chump slate baby slate baby i mean you know so i hope she gets all of that <clears throat> good um can do, can change the world, full of hope, energy, lots of strategic thinking going on in my mind. I hope it all translates down. I'm sure. Um, so she's, she's going to come she out comes canvassing. out with a fist, you know? <laughs> <laughs> she's going to come out canvassing. <laughs> fist in the fro. <laughs> or she's going to come out organizing and, gra- and bring like a clipboard together. Yeah, baby clipboards, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> She'll be in daycare and organizing like, the kids. The other workers? The other kids? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> the other workers. I'm like always like workers' rights, workers' rights go. all the time. <clears throat> but um, I want to thank uh, both of you, Sharice, Marina, for joining us on the thank show tonight. You. It's been a really critically uh, important conversation. Um, yeah. I, I hope people that were watching. Uh, the brain juices were flowing, mm-hmm. started thinking about things happening in the city. I hope people are inspired to get out and vote. Yeah, Get out and vote. Early voting is all this week through Friday the 15th, and then actual yeah. <coughs> election day is June 19th. You can find your individual voting spot at dcboe.gov. It's real simple. Use your Intertron. Therese, Therese, what were you going to say? And I said you can definitely still make a contribution to the campaign. Yes. Um, just do a search for Dems for Action. I think we're going to be the first to come up and you can find us on me on any social media platform at Crawford at large we are still accepting volunteers who want to volunteer Um, we have shirts on the way we have posters on the way, some really exciting things coming so definitely be a part of this movement. And for June 19th um, especially if you've got particularly energetic and young and you can define young any way you like uh, people who are interested in volunteering there is an incentive program for Ah. for people to come out and help at the polls so if you know young people there is a stipend there's a there's a stipend and please share that information because i definitely have some young folks yeah i'm about to spread that word yeah Yeah. there's an email from john that breaking down like the whole yeah exactly Okay, um, <laughs> I'll, I'll double check. Rewind it's that track, Top Selector. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Not it. Yeah, it's a... Uh, Big thanks to the Boys Institute. Their major program in Ward 8 that's creating their... They have something called the Creative School that they're creating. And so I'm going to go speak to the boys tomorrow. They invited me to come. Awesome. And I'm also speaking at a graduation commencement ceremony, about 200 adult learners that have graduated from the program. And you guys are Congratulations. invited That's really to cool. come tomorrow. I'd love to awesome. have you there as my VIP guest if you're available. When hey. is it? Um, tomorrow evening. I'll be speaking about 6 o'clock, about 6.30 tomorrow. That's super and so, cool. And so they invited me to be the commencement speaker there, so I'm looking That's forward awesome. to it. That's awesome. You got like a good joke it. lined up? You got? Are you ready? 
You know what? I think every time I get a chance to speak to people, I try to figure, I try to, to come from the heart about what can what can you really use? Like, what can you use and walk out of here with today? You know, and that's what I'm hoping. I'm, I'm looking <laughs> forward to a message, giving them some strategies, walking out of there tomorrow. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. I want so, uh, to. Uh, before we wrap up, though, I do want to mention that if you are voting dumb Trump slate, which why would you not? Yes. <laughs> that you need to like, first of all, it's a little bit confusing if they the, try for to people um, like even for me, you know, like there's several categories where you, you have to really read up top because it says pick up to two people or pick up to one person or yeah. you can pick up to seven people, yeah. which I didn't even even being on the slate. I didn't fully understand that until I got to the poll yesterday. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you can make sure you read that um and that you hit more yes because more hit is more. always more and you got to hit it twice if you want to get Yay. all the way to the bottom of the list you do and then almost uh you know more importantly i know we've been pushing people towards paper ballots but paper ballots are not actually available uh in early voting only at judiciary square Oh, okay. Well, none of the other locations oh, have paper ballots. That's important to know. So you cannot request a paper ballot until uh, the actual election day. Mm -hmm. Then you, the ballot paper ballots will be citywide. Ward but two has paper ballots, so if they're not anywhere else, that's it's good to know. Oh. That's why we have to have these. Okay, well maybe it's not. It's maybe important. then it was just at the Columbia Heights Community Center. They did not have. But paper that's a ballots. good question, though, to ask other precincts about whether yeah. or not they have paper ballots at those precincts. Because I know we've been pushing people to use yeah. the paper ballot. Yeah. yeah, you know, so you can see. But all you know how people are they're going to use electronic ballot and what yeah. you just said to make sure that you're pressing more more i'm more. on the second page yeah. uh, along with chioma uh she's on the second page ty kinlow's on the second page and press more again and on the third page there's molly and there's Janice lewis and i'm missing yes. one other person i think sequently gray is on the second page with me i think so, so too so yeah page two has myself chioma sequently uh, Ty Kinlow, and then press more again to get to Molly Janice Lewis um, for our at-large committee woman. And and I don't know specifically how the men's are set up, but it's similar to the same. Keep yeah. pressing the more button on the electronic ballot, Absolutely. please. And yeah. everyone's name will say "Dump Trump Dems for Action" yep. beside it. Please don't con please don't vote for the other folks <laughs> <laughs> that don't have "Dump Trump" uh, beside their name. So. Thank yeah. you for that very, very important reminder. Very important. Um, That's another regulation that we need to make sure that uh, moving yeah, forward. Can I ask yeah. who decides why the incumbents get to be on there first? What kind of they said it was a lottery. There, was, those, a lottery. there was a lottery. I was there. We literally yes. picked our names out of a hat. Well, not ours. A for drawing, every different a thing, from the mayor to ours, ward by ward. Pick names out of a hat. Yeah, yeah. And but even whatever, to the I'm point still of, pissed. Even to the point of having to select more versus next page. Like there should only be legitimately one option. Yeah, and you to shouldn't move be able forward. to go to next unless you've seen all of the options. Right. That's where my issue comes in at is that the more part is what's confusing. So imagine if English is not your first language. Mm -hmm. Tell as me about well, it because that's an issue too. Yeah, with, with voting yeah, in DC you only have and Spanish everything being translated. Yeah, those are the only options. <laughs> right. So Especially when you got to figure alphabetical out like there's no people brown people. Out, anyway. I don't know how to win. We that. have to. We have to put that on our on our on our table at the committee meetings to talk about yeah, how do we I make mean, sure we're, we're governing electoral process correctly. Well, for I mean, we're the most like progressive, diverse, intelligent city in the entire country. 
in my humble opinion. (laughs) As a member of the Dump Trump State, I'm going to go ahead and say that on the record. But, like, yeah, it's the most international city in the entire United States. There should be every language available. I mean, you go to the DMV, they got every language. No, that is accurate. You go to get healthcare, the Community of Hope, they got every language. And all you got to do is point to a list, and then you will get a human translator to show Yeah. So, you know, like, we're putting that on the floor. We have a lot of work to do. But I'm looking forward to working with you ladies, though. I'm so grateful that I have some great minds to have conversations. With. Let's not in here, but let's do the FaceTime chats too. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yes. right, Indeed. Guys. Well, again, ladies, thank you so much for joining us on the show. It is now the very special time where we reflect and breathe together no with pressure, the one Jay and only Mills. Jay Mills. Jay Mills, are you ready for this metaphysical moment? About as ready as I'm going to get. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. 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 Um, you know, I never premeditate these messages. I always let the universe just lead me. And, um, I was led today to think about the humble hero. Mm -hmm. You know, it is so interesting. The eternal story that is told throughout history, throughout time, throughout millennium. You know, you can look at the best people, the most giving people and the, really outstanding spirits that have come to walk this earth have been persecuted and the really really bright ones get murdered or assassinated the brighter you are it's amazing the opposition that you encounter and what also happens with these bright 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 lights is that a humble pride arises there is a confidence in being a villain There's a self-esteem that comes along with doing the wrong things and thinking for yourself. There is a humility that comes with being a good person because you do not think about yourself, because you put yourself last, because you are so humble that when people congratulate you, that when people compliment you, you can't accept the compliments or the congratulations. Humble is the hero, the good hero, forever. That's the story that is always told. I think about a presidency led by someone like Trump, which is the epitome of what we deal with, with those who care for self, being the loudest voice that is heard, and those that care for all being silent. This lack of want of attention or credit, because that's what good people do. So often that we don't want the credit, we don't want the attention, that sometimes we do (coughs) nothing. But all evil needs to prevail is for good people to do nothing. It is very hard for the good person to put themselves first, to put their own happiness first, to the point where you lose yourself making other people happy. But it, it's, it's this revolving problem because what makes you happy is making other people happy. How do you balance? How do you check yourself when you're a good person who wants to see other people do good, <coughs> who put the good of others in front of the good of yourself? As a public servant, how do you refill yourself? A public servant, you serve the public. You serve so many. You give so much. You are one person serving so many You can find yourself depleted. Humble is the hero. 
sometimes it's very difficult for the hero to say that their happiness matters first. So in my metaphysical message for today, I think about some mantras that I've been saying to myself for the past few few years to protect not just my happiness, but my mental well-being. You know, when you serve the community, you can serve yourself into exhaustion. And now with the crazy times that we're in, we're seeing an unfortunate trend of people that we know to be good committing suicide. They've given so much. It is not for the good person to think about themselves. We equate that selfishness with being a villain, with being a bad person. So in my metaphysical message, I say that you should put yourself first as the good person and know that you deserve to be put first because what makes you happy (coughs) is making someone else happy. But it's a triplicate. What makes you happy is making someone else happy as long as making them happy does not make you unhappy. It seems so simple and yet it's so profound for the person who is good at heart because we see that other person's happiness first. And even though making you happy could lead to my own unhappiness, I find it selfish to put me and my happiness before yours. So as public servants, I just want to remind every good person that it is okay to put you first. Go through this exercise and know that you are the type of person that is actually legitimately spiritually fulfilled by filling another person's spirit. Accept that you are good. You are good. Your first thought is always good. But then you got to double check that and make sure that in making this person happy, you don't sacrifice your own happiness. That's the message that's on my heart to share. That's the message that I'm living right now. That's the message that I live every day. It's so hard to take time for self-care. It's so hard to take time and say no. I can't. Knowing that my yes could make you happy, but my yes would also make me unhappy, utterly. I don't have the time. The sun does not shine for 24 hours a day. Who do you think you are? We got to realize that as the sun sets, so do we. We cannot shine all the time for everybody, every day, always. It is okay. It is okay to think about you, to think about yourself, to think about your well-being, to think about what you need, to think about what makes you happy. You deserve to be happy. You deserve to have all the happiness that you have to give to others. You deserve to receive all the love that you have to give. You deserve it. See, most good people don't think they deserve it. (laughs) That's the secret behind their goodness. They trying to do this good because they don't think they that good. Honestly, they see their imperfections. Yeah. And in their imperfections, they want to shine for others. Shout outs to the good people. Shout outs to the humble heroes. Shout outs to those that know that they mean well. We live in a time of indecision and indecisiveness. We live in a time where those who are selfish are the ones who are the first to speak up for themselves. Mm-hmm. And those who are selfless are the last to speak at all. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. It's a problem. It is okay to speak for yourself. It is okay to speak out for goodness. Again, I say that the only thing evil needs to prevail is for good people to do nothing. Yeah. 
We live in a time of inactivity, a time of apathetic, a time of people thinking like nothing matters. What they want doesn't matter. What they like doesn't matter. What you like doesn't matter. Nothing matters. Everything is futile. That's not the truth at all. This is the time. Never has there ever been a time where your individual thoughts are so powerful. Never has there ever been a time where we have an internet where your mundane thought, your opinion, your one thought can go around the whole world. But what kind of thoughts do we see now? Who's really out there spreading their thoughts and their ideas and their rhetorics? Yeah. We see a lot of good people doing nothing. Mm. I'm over that. That's powerful. Again, the only Bad thing evil needs to prevail. Good do nothing. That's all it needs. Only thing evil needs is for good people to do nothing. So my metaphysical message of the day is to be bold and extraordinary in your goodness. Be bold in your truth, whatever it is. Yeah. Speak loudly from your heart and soul. Be passionate because inactivity is deadly. Faith without work is dead. We got a lot of religious people, a lot of faithful people, a lot of spiritual people who do nothing. Faith without work is dead. <sighs> That's my metaphysical message. Do it all. Live boldly. Love hard and openly i loved you before i met you i love each and every one of you be not afraid of the love that you have to give for it is limitless yeah. it is limitless you are a unlimited source of light and energy but you got to charge up you got to charge up you got to take right? care of yourself you got to take care of yourself choose you first good people it is not a bad thing to choose you. Yes. That is the message. Unless yes. you're a police officer and you're a good cop and you're surrounded by a bunch of bad cops and fuck you, take them <laughs> down. <laughs> wait a minute. I did <laughs> one love. Wait, wait, wait. 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 <laughs> like that. I don't. I, I, <laughs> even though I did say fuck the police emphatically previously. No, the good cops need to take time for themselves and refresh themselves. But they, in particular, if if they are surrounded by people I'm aware who are not that good. they exist, but it's kinda like were there yeah. good Nazis yeah. who like Exactly didn't exactly. do that like didn't like were there? I know there were. I've read stories of them. But I'm just saying right. How uh, let's talk they? about their agenda <laughs> and what the point was. If your agenda is to specifically go to certain neighborhoods, even and though destroy. the best drugs parties I've, I've i saw drugs i never even knew existed in Northwest. at white rich parties exactly flat out who does more drugs it's not us who does hard drugs white it's not us it's not us if you really want to stop the drug problem, <laughs> don't come here. to Southeast. Listen, that's you, not guys, stop. you guys are talking nothing but the truth here in this series and i want to thank you guys for inviting me for this exchange um and but we gotta wrap it up <laughs> until it's, next time listen because I could be here all night now and if I, I didn't have somewhere else to be but we would definitely be continuing this conversation hey, turn I the wanna, microphones off maybe <laughs> I want to thank everyone for Shut tuned in this evening thank you for watching our show we will be back next week for one more show before hey. I go on break to have a baby so tune in yep, yep. and uh, we're going to do some reflection mm -hmm. together but again thank you Sharice thank you Marina so thank excited you. about both of you as candidates on the dump Trump slate Thanks. everyone vote 
June 19th or early beforehand. Take care of yourselves. There's a difference between being selfish, selfless, and self-interested. You got to charge up in order to keep it pushing so you can do good stuff. Mm -hmm. Be a humble hero, but take care of yourself. I love it. That's the metaphysical moment and Mm -hmm. the wisdom nugget. Thank you, Nick and DJ Mike Phillips, for always taking care of us on this show. Peace out. We'll catch you next week, y'all. One love. (laughs) 